Today we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Trinity, the three in one, the one in three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, creator, redeemer, and giver of life. This God we love and worship is a glorious, majestic presence that was there before creation. Yet God also resides in each of us right now like a, like a shiny spinning diamond in our hearts, infinite yet intimate. Scientists will talk about the Big Bang Theory, how all the matter in the universe, everything, was originally condensed into one little profoundly dense subatomic particle that exploded 13.75 billion years ago with a force so powerful that the universe is still expanding today. I sometimes think that subatomic particle was the Holy Trinity three essences spinning around each other and bursting with so much love that eventually it had to explode because that love wanted to be everywhere all at once. And today, everything we can touch, see, and hear, every bit of matter has God's love in it. Theologians and leaders of the early church struggled to comprehend the Trinity. They believed in it, but they couldn't explain it. Christians were and are monotheists. They believed in one God, like the Jews. They did not believe in many gods, like the pagan Greeks. So how could God be one being and yet three persons? They argued and fought about it for centuries until the end of the fourth century, when they finally came up with the words of the Nicene Creed, which we recite every Sunday as a statement of our Christian faith. Now, I believe the Trinity is explained in our creed, but honestly, I, I don't really understand some of those words. And so I have struggled to find other words to help me focus on the nature of the Holy Trinity, our God. One of the words I have come up with is mystery. Plain and simple, there's just no way to comprehend the hugeness of God. The Father is so high, we can't get over him. The Son is so low, we can't get under him. The Holy Spirit is so wide, we can't get around her. And it's a relief, in a way, because God is so vast. All we can really do is just believe in the height and the depth and the width of God and relax into the mystery of the Holy Trinity. There's a story about St. Augustine of Hippo, the great theologian of the 4th and 5th centuries, who wanted so much to understand the doctrine of the Trinity and to be able to explain it logically. One day as he was walking along the seashore and reflecting on all of this, he suddenly saw a little boy all alone on the shore. The boy had made a hole in the sand, and with a little seashell, he was running to the ocean, scooping up a bit of water, then running back to the little hole and pulling the water in. Back and forth he went over and over. Curious, Augustine went up to him and said, Little child, what are you doing? He replied, I am trying to empty the sea into this little hole. Augustine laughed and said, How do you think that you can empty this immense sea into that tiny hole and with that little seashell? To which the boy replied, And you? How do you suppose that with your small head you can comprehend the immensity of God? And with that, the boy disappeared. True story. <laughs> we live with too little mystery in our culture today. 
Everybody wants the facts, the whole facts, and nothing but the facts, ma'am. Maybe that's why so many people have trouble believing in God these days. They require proof, or at least a rational explanation, before they will surrender to faith. But our faith as Christians is grounded in mystery. Now, some of my dearest atheist friends have told me, you can't just say God is a mystery. That's not fair. You can't put God in some box and write, I don't know, on the outside, and expect everyone to believe in what's inside. Well, they're right. You can't put God in some box. But if you could, the words we would write on that box would be, I believe. Because we who believe don't just call God a mystery and then walk away. No. We call God a mystery, and then we proclaim, yet I have faith in my precious, unknowable creator. I love my sweet, surprising Jesus, and I trust in my blessed, mysterious spirit to keep me safe, to make me strong, to lead me on. Our faith is all about embracing the unknowable, trusting in God's ever-present love, and living our lives accordingly. A number of years ago, uh, when I lived in Boston, I got caught in a thunderstorm and tornado watch driving across Massachusetts on the turnpike with the rain pounding so hard my wipers couldn't clear off the windshield and I saw multiple lightning bolts striking the horizon and it was dark as night at 3 p.m. and the rain suddenly turned to hailstones. And do you think I turned on the radio to get the facts on the weather from the news report? Uh-uh. I prayed my butt off. <laughs> Please, dear God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, keep me safe and get me home. I chanted over and over. I prayed to the Holy Trinity for my safety and the safety of everyone on the road with me. I may not have comprehended the exact nature of the Trinity in those moments, but I sure did believe with all my heart so maybe it is with each of us, because we have faith. The other word I have found that helps me understand the nature of the Holy Trinity is relationship. Love flows between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. St. Augustine again, after all his attempts to explain the Trinity, finally saw that God's true essence was relationship. The Father is the lover Christ is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the love between them. This community of self-giving and self-receiving love was present before creation, so God's love is at the very core of our reality. And since we're made in God's image, that urge for relationship is ingrained in our very soul. God loves you so very much. And the way you respond to that love is to go out and love others and to let yourself be loved by others. Now think about some of the best relationships you have ever had. And I'm including close friendships in this as well. Aren't the best relationships the ones where we care more about the happiness of the other person than we do for our own? That is self-giving love. And it's the example God sets for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. When we offer someone our self-giving love, such relationships make us better people. They make us more ourselves than we were before we met that person and shared that love 
Paradoxically, to give ourselves away is to become more who we are. <clears throat> My husband, William, who is awesome, has struggled for much of his life with feelings of worthlessness. He once described it like this, Sweetie, when you walk into a party, everyone is happy to see you and calls out your name. When I walk into a party, I can't help but feel like everyone's thinking, why is he here? But like many such people, William gamely soldiers on through life, seeking connection, however tentatively. I tell you that as a prelude to this story. It's a Facebook story, so hopefully all of you can follow the jargon. A few years ago, William posted something about the Holy Trinity on Facebook on the Thursday before Trinity Sunday. I was moved by what he wrote, so I pressed like and replied with a comment. Later, I read his post again and noticed that no one else had replied to it in any way. This was surprising because I thought it was so good. I mean, it's the sort of thing that is shared by other church geeks on their own Facebook page. But no one had responded. So I did some investigating on William's timeline on his previous posts and realized that every single post he had written for the past two years had only been liked or commented on by me. That meant one of two things. Either none of his 166 friends had ever once in two years bothered to acknowledge his posts, or he had mistakenly set his Facebook settings so his posts could only be seen by me, and he never realized it. But the point is that this sweet man who suffers from feelings of worthlessness had gone two entire years thinking no one cared about anything he'd written, except for me. So this settings mix-up happened to me once, and I knew something was wrong after just a few days, but William never questioned it. He just accepted everyone's silence as his due. I wasn't able to reach him for a whole day to tell him that it was a mix-up, but he finally changed his settings that Friday night. And sure enough, people started posting replies. What William wrote, despite the feeling that no one out there would yet again reach out to acknowledge it, was this. Trinity Sunday celebrates our marvelous faith that relationship is essential to the Godhead and thus is at the very center of the cosmos and that we humans are invited lovingly into the perichoresis, the ecstatic dance of joy in this relationship. All our power to love, to be, flows from the infinitely self-giving relationship that thrives with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost in eternally gracious self-offering and other-receiving. My friends, maybe some of you need to change your settings. You're set on beating yourself up or thinking you're unlovable when the eternal dance of love beckons you. 
You are set on unbelief or Episcopal rationality or I know betterness when the mystery of the universe longs to be your partner in the dance. You are set on sorrow, regret, or anger when love longs to soften you in its embrace. You are set on pride when eternal joy would have you humbly take its hand and dance. You are set on stinginess or caution or self-preservation or fear when the Holy Trinity calls you to generous and reckless joy. Your settings are on small and you don't even know it. You don't believe there's actually an immensity out there just waiting for you to dance. Take its hand. Change your settings. Stand up from your wallflower's chair. Wipe the dust off your skirt or your pants and dance with the triune God who will love you into your fullest being. Amen.